it, Rick it, Rick it. Get down to business. I don't got no time to play around with this. Thing. This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Well, hello and a happy Friday. You're here in the Des Moines area, a very rainy Friday. I don't know if you can hear it. Maybe not in the studio, but you go into our office, and if you're watching on Facebook, there's this window behind me. I'm not allowed to have the blinds up anymore, but there's this window behind me. There's an office back there where all of our uh, sales members are, the sales team. Man, we must have the loudest metal roof. Kira, you're not really allowed to talk today. Do you understand why you're not allowed to talk today? Just nod. It's best for radio. You see, Kira is playing in their very first fantasy football league. This is their very first year playing. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Are you enjoying it? Two thumbs up. Great for radio. Kira and I are battling and I don't want to. I don't want to give her any hope. I don't want to care. Fine, turn your mic on. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want any good feelings between you and me until Monday night football is over. Okay. All right. You got it. <laughs> she put up on Facebook. Kara put up on Facebook. She doesn't care if she beats anybody in the league. All right. <laughs> like from the laser staff or the KIOA staff or any of our sales members. The only goal Kara has. For some reason, maybe it's because you sit in here with me, is to beat me. <laughs> it's like, when you ask Iowa State fan right now, how's your season been? <laughs> Iowa State is the worst team in the Big 12. They have dropped five straight. All right. They should beat West Virginia tomorrow, but I have no idea if they're going to do it. But you ask every Iowa State fan why this was a good year. They beat Iowa. <laughs> That's it. That's the only reason it's a good year. <laughs> They could lose out, and there's a shot they might lose out. <laughs> and they were 3-0 and at one point, gosh darn it. And they beat Iowa, and they're 3-5. and And the years, they're not going to go to a bowl game. They're not going to get in a big win this year. They got beat by Oklahoma. They got beat by Texas, closer than you, you probably would have thought. But, Kira, you are the Iowa State. I don't know. If you're, are you having a good year? I don't even know what your record is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm like 3-2. and two. It's not, you can't be three and two or in week Just nine. Kidding. I don't know. We're, we're, I'm not paying attention. This is why if I lose to Kira, <laughs> it's like losing to my wife in the fantasy championship. Kira, you're in fourth place. You're five yeah. and three. If the playoffs started right now. I knew now, there was a three in there. You're five and three. I'm over here struggling at four and four and one of the lowest scoring teams in the whole damn league. Great. Great. Well, I'm glad you're having fun in the league. I'm having so much Good. fun, Wicked. Man, I'll tell you what. I, last week, my, and I'm in like I'm in four leagues, but one of them I played against a guy who does who has a Patrick Mahomes, and he has Travis Kelsey, and they were both on bye, and I won. I said that's my fantasy advice. Like I suck at fantasy football, but my fantasy advice is if you can play the teams that have Patrick Mahomes on bye, that's a great start starting point. Who's your quarterback, Kira? Uh, a gentleman by the name of Patrick Mahomes. Yes, I know. So I probably, because the dude just throws for four touchdowns on a whim. And they're all to Travis Kelsey. Uh, but just keep your, your your smiles and your conversation to a minimum over there. All right, Kara? Uh, we have a, as usual here on ESPN Des Moines tonight and tomorrow and Sunday, we have a lot of live sports. Like if you want live sports in Des Moines, we've got you. Uh, tonight we have, World is the World Series tonight? World Series game, one, two, three, four. Six is tonight. No, five is tonight. World Series game five, right? What what number is tonight? I'm totally lost on all of this. Is it six? Are we sure about that? 90% sure. I looked it up before I came Listen, in because I was I'm, like, I better make sure we have a show today. I'm just so confused <laughs> by all of this because it, it was supposed to be game four last night, but Mother Nature moved it. You know, and, and we got all, okay, so... There's no World Series game tonight. It got moved. World Series game six is okay. tomorrow night. All right. So we'll have World Series game six tomorrow night. Um, Drake football has tomorrow off. So we will have North Carolina and Virginia. Big ACC battle early. World Series late. And then Sunday, we will have the NFL. What's our NFL game? I even made the promo. I should have known this. Oh, uh, Bills and Jets. Bills and Jets <laughs> early. And then World Series game seven. Should we need a game seven? Because Houston's up 3-2 after Verlander finally got his very first World Series win yesterday. And I got a whole bunch to say about that. A whole bunch to say 
about Justin Verlander. We'll get to that later on. I can't believe that. I don't like using the term the narrative because I think that's a weak way to discuss what people are talking about and facts and a story. But the narrative surrounding Justin Verlander coming, even going into and coming out of last night's game is just ridiculous. Uh, But I digress. Let's get to some NFL Big week in the National Football League. I will spare you the Green Bay Packers talk after uh, they lost on Sunday Night Football. They fell to the Buffalo Bills last week. I actually felt kind of okay with the effort that they put out there. And it wasn't the worst the worst feeling in the world to watch Green Bay lose the, in the fashion that they did. So I don't really care that they lost to Buffalo. But I'm going to tell you right now. The trade deadline was not kind to Green Bay Packers fans, as Green Bay did not make a move of any kind. There were there were a lot of moves made, more moves made on the trade deadline day than any other trade deadline day in the history of the National Football League. Ten. That's a lot. You know, in the NBA, there's 30. Major League Baseball, there's, you know, 25 deals get done at the trade deadline. In the NFL, there were 10, and that was a, a, a number that had never been hit before. And what's it, it's so amazing is because before, and I don't know how much has changed in terms of scheme and studying ability and the ability to absorb information, but that was why you often never saw a ton of action on trade deadline day in the National Football League. Because when you go from one scheme to another, you can how quickly can you comprehend the entire playbook, especially on offense? Easier, I think, on defense, because if you're an edge rusher, it's like, all right, go get the quarterback. You figure out a few things in a week or two. You can get up to speed. May not have the playbook down completely on defense. But for the most part, if you're a corner, you know what your job is. If you're a corner and you play zone well and you're brought into a zone scheme, you know what to do for the most part. You just got to get some chemistry built with the rest of the guys in that secondary. On offense, eh, can be a little bit tougher. But you look at the move. Maybe all that's out the window with the amount of moves the impact of the guys that were moved and the positions of so many guys that were moved. I mean, you have a whole bunch of trade deadline deals that went down. And I put up a poll question. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket, two T's. It's been retweeted by ESPN Des Moines as well. And the question is this of the contenders that seemingly went all in. Cause look, shout out to the Atlanta Falcons. They're not really a contender to win the Super Bowl. All right. If you believe that I have some oceanfront property in West Des Moines, Iowa to sell you. There are, I label it, I got it down to one, two, three, four, five, six contenders that made big moves, all right? And which of the contenders that went all in or made big moves do you think put themselves in a position to win the Super Bowl? Was it the Dolphins who traded away a fifth-round pick for Jeff Wilson and also Chase Edmonds, a first and a fourth for Bradley Chubb? Like, that's one of the biggest moves of the whole day. Was it the Vikings? who traded uh, a second and a third rounder for TJ Hawkinson with the Lions. How dare Detroit trade within the division? You don't do that. That's becoming more common. Roquan Smith goes before the deadline from the Bears to the uh, Baltimore Ravens for a second and a fifth. Also, the Chiefs brought in Kadarius Toney, the former first-round pick, the wide receiver for a third and a sixth from the Giants. Robert Quinn from the Bears to the Eagles. And then... The, the Christian McCaffrey deal, maybe the biggest of them all, went down before the trade deadline. But McCaffrey goes from the Panthers to the Niners for a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. It's a lot. So of those six teams that I would consider contenders, and I got the Cowboys on here too, but bringing in Jonathan Hankins to me doesn't, I don't think, it, it doesn't measure up to some of these other moves I could be wrong. Hit me up on Twitter and tell me why at Mike Wicket, who you think is the team. All right. So of all of those, it's either Miami or it's San Francisco. I mean, Buffalo brought in Naeem Hines. Somebody's going to say that. And Buffalo was the favorite and is still the favorite. Maybe. I think what Miami has done on defense and on offense with the picks they got in the Trey Lance trade, huge. This allowed them to bring in, you know, go after Tyreek Hill and draft Jalen Waddell. And then now add Bradley Chubb because that first rounder they got in that deal has now gone off to uh, the Denver Broncos. Then they gave Chubb the big extension. So I think between Miami and San Francisco with McCaffrey, assuming McCaffrey can stay healthy, those are the two teams that came out of the trade deadline who I think had the, the highest 
ceiling all of a sudden or whose stock rose the most. Let's find out what Sal Palantonio thinks was the best trade at the deadline. Uh, I think Christian McCaffrey trade is, to me, the number one overall trade in the National Football League. And you have a Super Bowl-ready championship defense already with the 49ers. They can make Jimmy G go back to a game manager where he's a ball distributor and doesn't have to do too much, which they asked him to do at the end of the year last year. I think the Niners are the second best team, in my view, in the NFC. Remember leading up to McCaffrey's first game with San Francisco last week, people were like, well, what's he going to do? Maybe they'll use him a little bit. You still have fantasy value in Jeff Wilson. McCaffrey caught a touchdown, rushed for a touchdown, and threw a touchdown. (laughs) They had him hit the ground running. And it's not like he was having a bad year in Carolina. He was having an average year for Christian McCaffrey in Carolina. And the fact that he had got to the trade deadline or a week before the trade deadline and he was still healthy, I think the Panthers looked at that as a win. Like, let's sell as high. See, look, he can stay healthy. He's totally a healthy running back. Let's sell as high as we can. And they got a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth from the San Francisco 49ers who did not have a first-round pick to trade away because they gave them all away for Trey Lance. So the, the McCaffrey move, has already started to pay dividends. And this is equally as impressive to ESPN's Damian Woody. Boy, did they push their chips all in. It just feels that way with Kyle Shanahan and company that they really pushed their chips all in. Go out and get a piece in Christian McCaffrey. Man, you're talking about a chess piece. Obviously, great runner, great receiver out of the backfield. You combine him, you know, with George Kittle and Debo Samuel, you got a lot of interchangeable parts in that offense. And obviously, we know that he's a great designer of the run game. So, this 49ers offense could be deadly. They get Trent Williams back up front on the offensive line. And once these guys come together, you know, it's all about Thanksgiving and beyond. It is. I mean, the Niners don't have the best record in the NFL. They don't have the best record in the NFC. They don't have the best record in the NFC West. That weirdly belongs to the Seattle Seahawks. But that being said, you don't have to have the best record at Halloween. You need to have the best record, you know, once we get into the playoffs and we start moving pieces around and who's hosting and who's seated where. Does anybody actually believe Seattle's going to be there at the end? I don't think anybody does. I think people are looking at San Francisco with all those guys getting healthy. And if McCaffrey stays healthy, that that's the team that's going to come out of the NFC West and maybe out of the NFC. Meanwhile, there's a team that there's a lot of fans around here, here in the Des Moines area. A lot of Vikings fans around here. This move really surprised me. Now, Irv Smith got hurt. Their tight end got hurt. But the Vikings went out and made... One of the most surprising moves of the trade deadline of the day. You kept hearing about tight end TJ Hawkinson being on the trading block. Nine and a half million dollars salary. Uh, is he part of the future? Are the Lions in a position to pay a guy and extend him and pay him a lot of money? Do you think, is he that guy? Is he Travis Kelsey? Is he George Kittle? Is he what they think Kyle Pitts is? His numbers hadn't been explosive. But when he got moved to the Vikings, all of a sudden, you look around and you're like, whoa, this is a good move. Here's ESPN's Adam Schefter. What happened here is that Irv Smith suffered a high ankle sprain. He's out eight to ten weeks. They put him on IR today. He won't be back till the end of the season if he plays at all. And so the Vikings had a major shortage at tight end. Now, who made a trade around the draft? The Vikings and the Lions. Familiar trading partners from the draft. So today they make another deal that involves T.J. Hawkinson, who clearly the Detroit Lions didn't want to pay. They didn't feel comfortable mm-hmm. paying him. Because if you're willing to trade one of your own playmakers in the division, mm-hmm. you're sending a message, you know what, we'll let you go pay him. We'll take the picks. We'll move on. And that's what happened. That's huge. I mean, that is real. To, to, to actually trade Hawkinson within the division to the team that's leading the division, the team that's running away with the division. I mean, that is a massive, massive move to make a deal with the Vikings. I mean, it, now that's two in the last six months that Detroit and Minnesota have made, along with that draft day trade back in May or April or whenever the NFL draft was. So now Detroit, and, and I'm going to get to the future of these deals for the teams that were not contenders that traded away some of these pieces. We'll get to that coming up in a bit. So now Detroit ships Hawk to Minnesota. And 
if you're a Viking fan, you got to love it. I don't know if anybody loves it more than ESPN's Dan Orlovsky. TJ Hawkinson averages 15 yards a catch in a run-first offense. This isn't just to replace Irv Smith. This is an upgrade of Irv Smith. I know this offense inside and out. It's the one I grew up in the NFL. This offense is at its best when the tight end matters. He is as good as any other person on that team. Think of San Francisco with George Kittle. Think of the Houston Texans with Owen Daniels. They now have that in Minnesota. They didn't really get that out of Irv. But we're talking about a dude who can be a pass-catching threat with Justin Jefferson and Thielen and K.J. Osborne working the slot as well. Hawkinson could have 700 yards the rest of this season in the regular season this is a massive move for minnesota and he gets his first action with the vikings coming up this sunday when minnesota goes to washington to face the commanders and that is of course the kirk cousins revenge game going back to dc where he started and had some some success with washington no doubt all right so the vikings made a move the lions made a move we'll get to the bears in the nfc north of course, the Packers did nothing. Don't worry. Packers didn't, didn't, they didn't, they slept. They hit the snooze on the uh, NFL trade deadline. But what the Bears did, people are really questioning what the Bears did. I want to talk about the two big moves. Well, three, I guess. Three big moves the Bears made next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM, thirteen fifty ESPN, Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Hello, happy Friday! If you are in the Des Moines area, turn your headlights on. Give lots of space. It is raining, and it will be raining for a while. <laughs> All right, that is the case. It is going to be raining for a long, long time. I think through tomorrow night. Is that what I saw, Kara? Is that right? Sure. Thanks, Kara. Appreciate that. We're limiting Kara's airtime today because uh, Kara and I are facing off in fantasy football this week. So we're limiting your airtime. Just a yes or a no or a thumbs up works. And I can, okay? Yes. See? All right. Uh, Coming up, I will get to the ridiculous narrative surrounding Justin Verlander in a bit. But, man, I could talk about the, the NFL is so great. I think I've talked about this before. The NFL is so great. I could talk NFL every single day. Every day. Because there's always stuff to talk about. For some, I don't know what it is about our love for football, whether you're a fan of the big one of the big five here in Des Moines, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Packers, the Vikings, or the Bears, or you're, you know, wherever you are listening to this, watching this, whatever. Hello on Facebook. You can come up. You can, Like, I could do four hours just on the Packers. I have a lot in my career. Uh, I could do a bunch of hours on the Chiefs and their move for Kadarius Toney. I could do a bunch on... The Eagles and their move to bring in Robert Quinn or the Niners bringing in uh, Christian McCaffrey. I love it. I just love talking about the NFL. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket, two T's, vote. Of all the contenders that went all in, a.k.a. made a big move on the NFL trade deadline day, meaning mortgaged a lot of their future, who do you think will win the Super Bowl? Now, Buffalo may still be your answer. They didn't do a ton. Uh, You know, Buffalo brings in a safety in Dean Marlowe, Naeem Hines, that's not going all in. You know, Singletary's still going to be the man most of the time. Naeem Hines becomes another pass-catching weapon for, for Josh Allen. But your answer still might be Buffalo is going to win the whole thing. But they didn't push their chips in the middle. It still might be Buffalo. And that's okay. But of these teams that made a move, I've already talked about San Francisco. I think the Niners are the favorite in the NFC. And I know the Eagles right now are the are, are 8 no and looked pretty good last night although you know in the first half it was tied with the Texans if McCaffrey is healthy he's the best weapon in the National Football League still but he has not been healthy in years but if he's healthy along with guys and Shanahan and not even throw, they don't need to throw the ball down the field with with San Francisco you've got Kittle you've got Debo you got Brandon Ayuk you, now you got McCaffrey. you got plenty of weapons there. I think the Niners are the favorite until McCaffrey gets hurt. I don't want McCaffrey to get hurt, but you know, it's kind of what his thing has been for the last few years. So I mentioned the Vikings already talked about what it does for, for Minnesota. I think Minnesota is in that second tier in the NFC, but it's not a huge gap. I think you've got the Niners, if, if they're healthy, and Philly, gap, Minnesota. Because I don't know if anybody really believes in Minnesota quite yet. Uh, they're winning a lot of close games. 
you, you probably don't have a lot of faith in Kirk Cousins to win you a big game if you're a Viking fan. He's a really good regular season quarterback. He's got an incredible weapon there in Justin Jefferson. Thielen is a red zone monster. When healthy, Dalvin Cook's a top five running back. Alexander Madison might be the best backup in the National Football League. You always grab him in handcuff as a handcuff. I got him in my 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 season long guillotine league. But I don't know if you put Minnesota in that same tier yet with Philadelphia and with San Francisco in the NFC. You know, and I'm going through the North here. Don't worry, there's not going to be any Packers talk about the NFL trade deadline deals they made because yeah. <laughs> They slept through the NFL trade deadline. They uh, they hit the snooze. Uh, they punted. They were like Austin Powers staying on five when the dealer has a 10. And he says, I'll stay. I also like to live dangerously. Unbelievable. Um, but the Chicago Bears, now they are not a contender that went all in. I'm going to talk about them more coming up in a bit. But they acquired Chase Claypool. But I'm more interested in, at first, talking about what they gave away. All right? So you had Robert Quinn, who got sent out by the Chicago Bears in exchange for a fourth-rounder to the Eagles, already with a really good defense. So Robert Quinn goes to the defense there and absolutely will help that squad. Uh, Seemed a little light, just a fourth-rounder for that guy, but I guess he's getting up there in age. And then there was the other move. Now, if you have been uh, listening to me for the last six, seven years, I'm a huge Roquan Smith fan. I loved Roquan Smith coming out of Georgia. I wish the Packers at the time had a pick in the late 20s, and the Bears, of course, had a top 10 pick, and they nabbed Roquan. And I wanted him in the middle for the Green Bay Packers. We in 2022 do not value inside linebackers the way we used to. And while Roquan Smith spent a lot of the offseason unhappy, wanting to be traded or a new contract, the Bears weren't going to do that. Because the NFL, we, we care about edge rushers. We care about defensive linemen. We care about corners. Like, those are the big priorities on defense. Can you get to the quarterback? Can you defend on the outside? That's what we mostly care about. So middle linebackers seemingly are expendable. And so the Bears send Roquan Smith, who is one of the best inside linebackers in the National Football League, to the Ravens of all places. Here's uh, Keyshawn Johnson from ESPN on Roquan Smith to Baltimore. Chicago looked at Roquan as a guy who makes a lot of tackles and does some things, but he's not a game changer in their minds. Like, he doesn't create havoc. He doesn't get the sacks, the interceptions. He's not that type of linebacker, and they don't value that. But that's okay, because all you need is one. You need one team to value you, and the Baltimore Ravens values him, so they gave up what they gave up to go get him. Now, it changes what they do defensively. It makes that defense a little bit stronger. You know, when you think about the Baltimore Ravens and I identity of that team going way, way back to when Marvin Lewis was the defensive coordinator when they won their first championship. It was all about the defense, about Ray Lewis and company. And this is kind of what you're getting with Roquan. Yeah, you, you really are. And you're getting a mean, nasty linebacker. And I think if you're a Ravens fan, especially right now, here we are on Friday, the 4th of November, you got to be looking at the front office like, you, you helped out the defense, yes. Can Lamar get a weapon? Rashad Bateman's now out for the year. Devin Duvernay's a nice young player. Gadget guy does a lot of stuff. Mark Andrews is now hurt. Got the leg and he's now he's got the shoulder. Can Lamar get a weapon? All the running backs are hurt as usual in Baltimore. Gus is banged up. J.K. Dobbins back on IR. I mean, I get I you know, I guess you got Kenyon Drake there, but it's Kenyon Drake. I mean, they're looking at Demarcus Robinson, and they just activated Deshaun Jackson. As much as I'm upset my Packers didn't go out and get a weapon, maybe they're not in a place to compete. But Baltimore, you thought, was in a place to compete. The record doesn't exactly say that they're a great team this year. But couldn't you have gone out and figured out a way to get a weapon? Somebody to help Lamar Jackson so he doesn't have to do everything on his own? So the Bears took that pick. They used it, packaged it, and then they sent it to Pittsburgh for Chase Claypool. Apparently, according to Josina Anderson from ESPN, the Bears and my Packers both offered a second-round pick. Early in the morning, the Packers were like, we got Claypool for a second-round pick. These people can stop complaining on radio and on the message boards and on Twitter and on Facebook. 
And then the Bears came in and offered the exact same thing. And and I know that Packers fans are mad at Brian Gutekinds because, oh, Josina Anderson said that Green Bay was in and got had the rug pulled out from under him by the Bears. The Ravens looked at the two second-round picks, Green Bay's and Chicago's, and said, which one's going to be better? And they took the one that's going to be better. Because in theory, you look at Aaron Rodgers and company, you think they're going to figure something out. They're going to have a few more games than Chicago's going to figure on the way out. I don't know if I believe that. (laughs) But that pick from Chicago is going to be better and more valuable than the pick from Green Bay. It's not like Gudikins got outplayed. He's not a terrible GM because, you know, actually, it's kind of a prop to Gudikins. Hey, your team's going to be better, so I want the worst pick. This is a team that Gudikins has built. Now, they are probably the most underachieving team in the National Football League right now, without, without a doubt. So Chase Claypool now goes from Pittsburgh, where they have a lot of wide receiver talent in Deontay uh, Johnson, and they drafted George Pickens. They always have wide receivers over there. So he goes to the Bears, gets a weapon that Dan Orlovsky from ESPN loves for Justin Fields. You don't make this move unless Justin Fields has said to you, hey, I'm the guy. And I really believe it, that's happened in the last, like, two weeks, yep. can't yeah. be, with the performances that he's had. So credit Justin for that. I also think this. You just talked about the quarterback class coming out of college football. I don't think they believe the wide receiver class coming out of college football is going to be great this year, Ooh. right? Mm. So yeah. next year is going to be massive for this football team with the cap space. They get Chase Claypool. Listen, Justin Fields is really good at a lot of things. There's some things I've been wrong about. And I've admitted to this. There's, there, I don't know if the promo is still running, but I've apologized to Chiefs Kingdom. I'm sorry. I bought into the Russell Wilson hype, and I was wrong. It's still your division. Maybe, just maybe, Justin Fields doesn't suck. I don't know. It's been two games. He's looked like an, a, a, an actual NFL quarterback. Maybe, just maybe, when they actually design runs for him, Maybe just maybe Justin Fields doesn't suck, okay? <laughs> now you get him a weapon. And this move was not made for 2022. This move was made for next season. Now, next year's draft class, like you heard Olavsky say, and I'm not a draft guru, but it doesn't sound like the wide receiver talent is going to match the quarterback talent because you got that you got Bryce Young and you've got C.J. Stroud and the kid from Kentucky who allegedly is a really good quarterback and projects into the NFL, could be a top-five pick. Quarterback class is going to be great, like the one a couple of years ago with uh, Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance and Mac Jones. Some of those guys have not exactly panned out quite yet. So they looked at Claypool and said he's better than anybody we're going to find in the second round. The Bears over $100 million in, in salary cap room next year. Brace yourself for overspending and overpayment by the Bears. But still, the Bears are going to wind up signing guys that your team probably wants. Chase Claypool will sign with Green Bay. I'm sorry, Chase Claypool will sign with Chicago. Sorry to get you your hopes up there. But he will sign with the Chicago Bears, and that's what this move, why they made this move. Um, as for Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, as for the Miami Dolphins, they were the other big winners. I think, to me, the two biggest winners, NFC, the San Francisco 49ers, and I think over in the AFC, the Miami Dolphins. They bring in Jeff Wilson, who worked with the head coach there, uh, McDaniel, along with his now, once again, backfield mate, Raheem Mostert, in San Francisco. So they bring him back in the system. It's not going to be a real long learning curve for him. But what they have now done on defense, what Miami has added in Bradley Chubb, when healthy, one of the best pass rushers in the National Football League. Apparently, this defense now scares ESPN's Lewis Riddick. Miami's potential on defense with how they like to pressure the passer and how they like to go 11 up sometimes and you don't know who's coming and now they got a bunch of hybrid dudes with Chubb, Ingram, Jalen Phillips, Emmanuel Ogba. Are you kidding me? If you're sitting down there in Miami right now, you're going, man, this season's been great. Look at all the things we did for Tua. Look at how we have a we have a sprinters team at on at the wide receiver position. Tua is one of the top rated passers in the NFL. Now we went out and got another guy for Josh Boyer to go ahead and see if he can integrate him into a defense that ultimately that's what the league has become about. It's become about guys who can hunt quarterbacks and receivers and playmakers who can break it open, provided that you have your quarterback being protected. Look, Miami is kind of like they put all that stuff together. And I know there may be some people who believe that they're 
good. But as a wise coach told me one time, now it's time for Miami to make the rest of the people believers. You know, I, uh, I covered the Green Bay Packers for a very long time. And I know this. And if you're watching uh, on, on my Facebook page or on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page or whatever, and you're in Wisconsin, hello. And I thank you for checking out the show today. In Green Bay, in Wisconsin, every year Aaron Rodgers doesn't win the Super Bowl is a failure. Is that way with Favre? It's definitely that way with Rodgers. Every year the Packers don't win the Super Bowl, it is a failure. I have to believe Miami fan has to feel that way right now about this season, considering everything they gave up to bring in Chubb, to bring in Tyreek Hill, to go after all these names that they have now brought in. Melvin Ingram. Somebody's going to feel like an idiot after this trade deadline day. If the Niners, who gave up a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth, don't win the Super Bowl with Christian McCaffrey, yeah, they'll have a real good shot next year, assuming he stays healthy. You always have to have that caveat. But so, there will be a lot of teams on the with all these trade deadline deals that went all in. The Dolphins, the Niners, I mean, even the Vikings. I think because of the contract situation with 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 Kirk Cousins, they're just so, so frustrated. He's one of the great businessmen in the history of the NFL. But these teams that have expensive quarterbacks or expensive players here and there, when you look at the moves the moves they've made and the draft capital they have given up, it's 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 six to one half dozen the other. I think it's like I know Packers fans are livid that Green Bay has not pushed their chips in like Miami or like the Rams did last year when they gave up everything for Vaughn Miller. And they were like, no, ah, we don't really care about the draft. We're just, we'll just give up picks left and right. But they won a Super Bowl because Packers fans won a Super Bowl. Rams fans wanted a Super Bowl. Dolphins fans won a Super Bowl. The Niners want a Super Bowl. They got close. They were there two years ago, but they didn't pull, bring the uh, the trophy back to the Bay. They got beat by uh, by Mahomes. You're telling me right now if the Chiefs, who you could argue are the best team in the NFL or number two behind the Bills, or in that that conversation, I know there's some people listening to us and watching me right now in Kansas City. What's up? If you don't win the Super Bowl, you know what the narrative is going to be on the air? We're wasting Patrick Mahomes' prime. That's going to be the narrative. Just like Packers fans who believe that Aaron Rodgers may or may not still be in his prime, we're wasting Patrick Mahomes' prime. I don't know if Kirk Cousins play, ever can play better than he is this season. If the Vikings don't win the Super Bowl, we're wasting the best years of Kirk Cousins' career. Same thing goes for Lamar. Now, you have some teams with young quarterbacks, and who knows what the future holds for Tua in Miami. Jalen Hurts looks like he's going to stick around, be the real deal there in, in Philadelphia. But, you know, Dallas, if Dallas doesn't contend for a Super Bowl, A, their their head coach will be fired. I don't care what the record says. Mike McCarthy's gone if he doesn't get to the NFC Championship bare minimum. We're wasting a year of Dax Prime. That's what it's going to be. There'll be a lot of teams. Now, whether your team pushed chips all in, like the Niners or the Dolphins or whatever, or didn't, there's going to be some upset fan bases after the NFL trade deadline. And that's what made this year so crazy is so many teams pushed in a lot of draft picks, a lot of draft capital, a lot of future because they want, they think they've got a shot to win it. And that's what makes the NFL so great. So that is what makes the NFL so awesome. All those teams, Dolphins are a contender. Ravens still, I believe, with Lamar and Attengro Quan Smith if Mark Andrews gets back and healthy, contender. Eagles, contender. Niners, definite contender. Cowboys, not so much. Okay, maybe the Cow... What are the Cowboys, the fifth best team in the NFC? Maybe. Bet you they wish they had Amari Cooper back. I believe that. It's under that fifth-round pick. But that's, that's what makes the NFL so great. All those teams. And you know who might win it? Somebody I'm not even talking about. Maybe the Bengals figure it out. Maybe Jamar Chase comes back. Maybe my Packers come back and figure... Okay, maybe not. <laughs> what about the teams that mortgage the future? Who won that side of the NFL trade deadline day? And um, 
Have you seen what ticket prices are for the biggest college football game of the weekend? I'll get to that next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 102.1 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Do not forget tomorrow we'll have North Carolina and Virginia ACC football coming your way. Coverage of that starts at 10.30, I want to say. Kickoff at 11. And then tomorrow night, Game 6 of the World Series, Phillies and Astros. But if we have a Game 7, we will have it for you on Sunday night. We've also got uh, the Bills and the Jets on Sunday morning here on ESPN Des Moines. If you want live sports. And then, and then, Drake, who just had their exhibition game last night. Drake women play on Monday against Wisconsin Green Bay. Drake men open up with Uwe Pooey next Wednesday. Basketball. I am not ready for basketball season to get here yet. You know how people every month, doesn't matter what month it is. Can you believe it's already November? Yeah, yeah, I can. I, I always can. I think it's the dumbest thing. Oh, can you believe it's already September? Yeah, it sounds about right. Summer was good, you know, getting ready. Kind of done with this whole, this whole summer thing anyway. I can't believe it's basketball season. I cannot believe we are into basketball season. And we're already like seven games into the NBA season. I don't have time for all of this. I'm watching football, okay? I am managing four fantasy teams, Kira. I don't have time to watch all this basketball yet. It's always the time, too, when you turn on the TV and you're watching on a Saturday and we get into college basketball season and you're like, how did Stanford score 68? Oh, it's basketball. Always happens to me every single year. Wrapping up our trade deadline conversation here. So I talked about all the contenders and overall uh, getting about 55% of the vote. The Niners. Follow me on Twitter and vote at Mike Wicket. Two T's in Wicket. The Niners getting most of the love from the trade deadline all-in pushers uh, that could win the Super Bowl. So the rest of the franchises that that gave up some of these pieces, like... Chase Claypool or Roquan Smith, Kadarius Tony goes to the Chiefs. What what does this mean for them for the future? You know, there was a real interesting one uh, with the Chase Claypool move. And that is, what does this mean now for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Here's former Steeler Ryan Clark. And the Pittsburgh Steelers realize this team ain't winning the Super Bowl. This team isn't making the playoffs. And now that you can stack some draft capital for a guy that you could probably do without because of the way you play football, I believe you make that move and you start building for the future. Mm. And that's if you believe Kenny Pickett is your guy or mm. if you don't. You never know where they might be in this upcoming draft. And this is going to be a quarterback-rich draft in which the last one wasn't. Just because we drafted you last year doesn't mean we have to keep you. And you can look no further than Arizona. Arizona Cardinals drafting right. Kyler Murray one year after Josh Rosen. I would be, you talk about the, the, the most well-run organizations in the sport. The Steelers are always at the top of that list, right? Aren't they? They're always contending. They don't fire coaches left and right. It's not a volatile organization. They seemingly play, fo- they're always winning, you know, with Big Ben and Neil O'Donnell, Mike Tomlin, Bill Cowher. They, they win. You can go all the way back. I would be shocked if they gave up on Kenny Pickett after one year. Now, I'm not going to lie and tell you I've watched a lot of Kenny Pickett, but I believe Kenny Pickett will get better than whatever he's showing this year. Rookies just generally struggle. Watch Malik Willis this weekend against the uh, the Chiefs. Is that the Sunday night game? I think it is. That's going to be a bad football game. They should flex that out right now because Kansas City is going to pounce <laughs> pounce on Malik Willis and they should because he's a rookie and he's going to the loudest stadium in the NFL but I would be very surprised if Kenny Pickett's done after one year in Pittsburgh I don't know if you know this he went to Pittsburgh uh but they were able to move Chase Claypool and they get back a second rounder a fifth rounder and a linebacker by the name of AJ Klein I mean now now Pittsburgh has a second round pick and a fifth they can Now they can move some stuff around. That's huge. You know, the Chicago Bears gave up the second-round pick they got from Baltimore to go get Claypool, but they also added a fourth-rounder from when they made the the Robert Quinn move. The Panthers got all that that treasure trove of picks that I've already mentioned a couple of times 
for Christian McCaffrey. You think they're in a rebuild? I don't know, but I can guarantee you they're going to use their first or their second on a quarterback. And if their guy is C.J. Stroud or their guy is uh, you know, Bryce Young or whoever their quarterback is, pairing him with D.J. Moore, who's still a young guy, and everybody was expecting D.J. Moore to get moved just because Robbie Anderson got moved and Christian McCaffrey got moved. The dude got paid $19 million guaranteed. They weren't going to pay him $19 million and then show him the door. That wasn't going to happen. I mean, they've got young Chuba, who, by the way, Chuba Hubbard, out this week, still not healthy. They got Foreman, who's in his fifth year. Don't expect him to be part of the future. But if you can find your young quarterback, because Baker ain't, ain't it, Sam Darnold ain't it. But if you got DJ Moore, a young quarterback, and Chuba Hubbard, who's, I don't know what the, I don't know what his ceiling is. You got a young core right there. You're going to have a new head coach, because Matt Rule, that, that era is done. I mean, Carolina. Definitely punted on the year without saying we're punting on the year. One of the more interesting moves, too, I thought, was Jacksonville and the two moves Jacksonville made. The Jaguars sent James Robinson. Wasn't he the rookie of the year two years ago? Undrafted rookie of the year two years ago? They sent him to the Jets, and all they got was a sixth rounder from him. I truly believe that if Urban Meyer had not been named the head coach or hired by the Jaguars a season and a half ago... James Robinson, and a normal head coach, like the guy they got down there right now, a normal head coach, a guy who had on his shoulders instead of stuck up somewhere else. James Robinson is still the running back. Travis Etienne is playing somewhere else because they tried to get fancy with that offense when they had a stud in Robinson. And to only get a conditional sixth for him? Does that become a fifth if the Jets do well or if it gets X amount of snaps, whatever? But the other move made by uh, by Jacksonville is the one that I think surprised a lot of people. They sent a fifth-round pick and a conditional fourth to the Falcons. But they got Calvin Ridley, who, as you know, is suspended this year. Ridley suspended for gambling. Ironically, on a game, he bet that the Jaguars to lose. Now playing for the Jaguars, but sitting out the rest of the year. That was a move that ESPN's uh, front office insider Mike Tannenbaum loved. What an incredibly smart move by Jacksonville getting Calvin Ridley. There were a number of teams that you heard through the grapevine have an interest at him at some point, and he is a frontline receiver. You know, we know they went out and added Christian Kirk, who maybe was paid like a one, but truly isn't a one. And when you look at the lens of the Jacksonville Jaguars and say, does this help or hurt Trevor Lawrence's development? This is incredibly smart. Look, there's a lot of conditions that Adam laid out in terms of what the draft choice compensation is. That's a great bill to pay if you're Jacksonville. You're pro active, you beat out other teams, and you may come out of this with a really good player who will be really hungry coming off of a suspension. A year ago, you would have said Calvin Ridley's a top five wide receiver in the NFL. He still may be. I have no idea. I mean, there's so many great wide receivers in the league these days. But now, if ATN is really a a three-down back or the lead dog in in a full backfield, now you've got Trevor Lawrence, who you expect next year to take that next step. you got Travis ATN, year number three and then Calvin Ridley who's only like 24 years old it's not like Ridley's approaching his 30s and then they got Evan Engram in there who's having a really good year if you're a fantasy nerd you know about that I just thought that was a really smart move and if you go back I would have loved to seen Green Bay do something like that I follow me on Twitter check my receipts this was six months ago I would have loved to have seen Green Bay bring back Devontae for one year this is my plan bring back Devontae for one year draft one of the Alabama wide receivers if they could, trade for Ridley, Devontae leaves after one year, you franchise him, whatever, and then Ridley, but they didn't. They don't listen to me. They don't call me. I, don't, I can't believe that. Can't believe that. All right. I mean, what an awesome trade deadline. Awesome trade deadline. The Broncos, they're set up. They got a first, they got a fourth, uh, and a fifth in their two deals because it looks like the Broncos aren't going to be very good. They have to recoup some of their losses from the Russell Wilson trade. What a disaster that deal is. I mean, I, I'll i tell you what. I, if you would have told me back in August when camp was going on and Russ was in, in Broncos camp that come November 4th, Russell Wilson would be available in four of my fantasy leagues, I never would have believed you because he's a disaster. He's a disaster. That trade is a disaster thus far. All right, coming up. You'll never believe the cheap, well, maybe you will. It's the South, but the cheapest ticket to get in the door for the biggest college football game of the weekend. I'll tell you about it next. 
Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday here in the Des Moines area. It is raining and raining hard. Really, really raining. Uh, tomorrow we'll have some college football for you. Drake has the day off. They'll be back next week. We are going to have Virginia and number seventeen North Carolina. Tar Heels are seven and one, by the way. Uh, we'll have that game for you coverage starting at ten thirty right here on ESPN Des Moines, and then tomorrow night. Uh, We've had all the World Series games. We'll have game six coming up tomorrow night between the Astros uh, and and the Phillies. Sunday, we've got Bills and Jets, and then we'll have game seven, if there is a game seven of the World Series. And then we get college basketball. Drake women, they play on Monday. The Drake men, they're predicted to win the Missouri Valley Conference. They play Uwe Pui, I-U-P-U-I, coming up on Wednesday. Basketball season just snuck up on me. So college football, we are a couple of months done with the college football season. The college football rankings came out. I never get too into the rankings when they first come out because there's nothing you can really do, especially because in college football today, there's so many upsets and everybody plays everybody, right? So your your top four, if the college football playoff started today, Tennessee and Clemson would play. Tennessee's the one. Clemson is the four. Ohio State would get Georgia. Ironically enough, Tennessee, who a couple of weeks ago gave up like a thousand points, but still beat Alabama on that last second field goal. One of the craziest scenes. I remember I was on my couch. Kids had gone to bed. I was probably, I don't I was doing something and I don't remember what it was, but I came back in and my wife's like, are you going to watch the end of this? I'm like, yeah. And I, I, we were just watching the end of that game and do it. I was like, this game is bananas. And then Tennessee, who has been dead, left for dead for the last, uh, I don't know, two decades. Now they're number one in the country. And now they play Georgia coming up tomorrow. And that game is a 2.30 kick. What an awesome day tomorrow is going to be. Hopefully you can sit back and watch football. Lord knows I can't. I have three toddlers. I will not be able to do so. I'm going to give you some context here. The cheapest ticket to get into the Alabama LSU game that is tomorrow night at LSU in Baton Rouge. The cheapest ticket to get into that game is $116 per StubHub. All right. What do you think the cheapest ticket to get into number one Tennessee versus number three Georgia in Athens is? Kira, take a shot. Don't go crazy. Don't be like $10,000. No, but what do you think the che- like you're up high in the corner in the nosebleeds? What do you think the cheapest ticket is? 400. 506. $506 to go between the hedges and watch <laughs> Tennessee and Georgia. Number 1 versus number 3. And there will be people who will And that's the high the the up high seats. You know, if you want to sit down low between the 20s or even between the 40s, you're you're talking about 2, 3, 4, 5,000. To sit in those seats. I know you're probably, if you're listening to me right now here in the Iowa, in, in Iowa, you're like, well, Wicket, what's a ticket for the Iowa game? You know, you've got four and four Iowa taking on five and three Purdue. What's the cheapest ticket to get in that building in West Lafayette, Indiana? Well, I will tell you the cheapest ticket. Remember, Georgia, Tennessee, 506. The cheapest ticket to get into Ross Aid Stadium, 20 bucks. You can go see a college football game for $20 if you use StubHub. (laughs) And I know there's Iowa State fans listening to us right now. You're like, well, what about the clones? They're hosting West Virginia at Jack Trice. $19 to go to a game in Ames. $19. That's what happens when both teams are 3-5 and and there's one win between the two in the Big 12. I once went, and this was before Matt Campbell got there. Maybe it was Campbell's first year. I don't remember. But my wife and I were living in Kansas City, and we came up to Des Moines because it's where her family lives for the holiday, for Thanksgiving. And we were going to go to the Iowa State game. 
she and her friend and her friend's dad had got tickets to the Iowa State game, and they were they had an extra for her. And I'm like, I'll just buy a ticket. How much is it going to be? 30, 40 bucks to go to Jack Trice. I got a lower-level seat that year. Now, this is the Saturday after Thanksgiving, okay? So, I don't know. Are, are kids in town, not in town? Are people going to go to the game? Six dollars. Six bucks after fees. <laughs> I think it was like nine after fees. But the ticket itself was six bucks to get into that game. And I think West Virginia won by four touchdowns. I think they blew Iowa State completely out of the water. But six bucks to get into that football game. So there you go. Yeah, 506 to go to the, uh, the Tennessee-Georgia game. Uh, to go watch the Vols and the Dogs. By the way, after Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson, it's Michigan, Alabama, and then TCU is still undefeated at number seven in the college football playoff. That's going to be a good day of college football, though. I mean, you're going to get, if you're an Iowa fan, you get Iowa-Purdue early, and then if you're an Iowa State fan, your squad plays right after, or if you're going to go watch the biggest game of the year, Georgia-Tennessee, one versus three. I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty good. And what are the night games coming up tomorrow night? Oh, yeah, Alabama, LSU, Clemson and North, uh, Notre Dame. Uh, Michigan is a big, a big favorite at uh, Rutgers and Piscataway, New Jersey. You don't just walk into Piscataway, New Jersey and win and win football games. Am I out of here, Kara? No, not yet. OK. Uh, this was the the other thing that I heard coming going into last night's World Series game and coming out of last night's World Series game was this. Does Justin Verlander need a win to solidify his legacy? Verlander was 0-8 in the World Series. And I think pitchers' wins are a lot like quarterback wins, okay? They're not a real stat. But there's actually people, even in Detroit, where he had so much success, who think that now his legacy is solidified. He already had one World Series ring. Can I remind people that Justin Verlander won two Cy Youngs, has thrown three no-hitters, He led the league in strikeouts five times. He was an all-star nine times. He was the rookie of the year. He was the pitching triple crown winner. And he was the American League MVP. Unfortunately, there will be some idiot out there who doesn't put him on the first ballot. But Justin Verlander is arguably one of the two best pitchers of the last 16 years. The other one's Kershaw. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. And even though he gave up the leadoff home run yesterday, finally got his win. I'm a Verlander fan. And, of course, he got Kate Upton. I mean, that's an MVP vote right there. So sick of hearing about people telling me, oh, he's got to solidify his legacy. Verlander's a Hall of Famer, one of the all-time greats. I will defend that guy till I die. All right. I am out of here. Have yourself a great weekend. Stay dry. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Kira, I hope you have a terrible fantasy football weekend. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Barton Hahn, take you the rest of the way. We got live sports all weekend. Have a good weekend here on ESPN Des Moines.